Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Well, we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. Well, look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? You stand to win everything. Call it. Good morning and welcome back to the Top Shelves Oscar Oscar's Best, Oscar's Best Picture, Picture Podcast. Yay. Yay. We're, we're back. We're back. It's 2019. It's January. So we're already on a good roll for the year. We're already putting yeah. out an episode. An episode. An episode. Ep- episode. And I am making no promises on our recording schedule. But just know, we have not abandoned the podcast. No. For those of you who don't know, we are getting married. It is summer, and that takes a lot of time out of our free time schedules on top of all of our full-time working schedules. So, bear with us. We have not abandoned you. Just, we're going to probably be sporadic, as is our nature. Yeah. But we're here with you now. And we are bringing to you No Country for Old Men from 2000 and. Seven. Seven. <laughs> Colin was literally up his wrote it. said 20, 2008. As we, as we probably talked about this podcast before, um, it's always the 2000, it's always the year after ceremony, but whatever movie came out the So this was before. the 2008 Oscars, There's... but the film came out in 2007. Correct. Yes, this is No Country for Old Men from 2007, rated R, two hours and two minutes long. It is categorized as a crime Drama thriller directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. So, Lindsay, what's this movie about? Here is the IMDb summary. Violence and mayhem ensues after a hunter stumbles on upon a drug deal gone wrong and more than $2 million in cash near the Rio Grande. Sorry, let me read that more, more less robotically. Violence and mayhem ensue after a hunter stumbles upon a drug deal gone wrong and more than $2 million in cash near the Rio Grande takes place in Texas. Yeah. It might be Rio Grande. Yeah, I think it's Rio Grande. Yeah, it might be Rio Grande. Um, I took French. I'm sorry. Um, how? Sorry, 8.1 on IMDb for the rating and a 91 Metascore. So, well-reviewed, favorably reviewed, it looks yeah. like. Um, so, for those of you who might oh, know... Sorry, my water is, like, spilling is all over Is it spilling everywhere? Oh. Leaking out of the lid. Oh, no. Josephine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so, for those of you who know, or might not know, um, this movie was actually the inspiration for the entire podcast network, I feel like. Was it really? Yeah. Um, I think Jeff and I were originally going to do the Oscar Best picture stuff that got um hijacked by me and turned into the afi top 100 yeah and then i think we tried to do it again that turned into super happy fun time you did do super happy fun time i think super happy fun time started as a it started as a you did like the oscar it was gonna originally do a movie review channel and then um i just i 
hijacked it. To be fair, we also have no right doing a movie review because we are not film critics. Nope. We both took an intro to film class in college. That's the extent. And we've seen a lot of movies. That's the extent have, of our life. I have an animation degree. You do have an animation degree. So that is a legit thing. I have a master's degree in music history. So, you know, you know things. Things. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. So, yeah. Um, in this movie, Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, Woody Harrelson, Kelly McDonald, Garrett Dillahunt, Tess Harper... Stephen Root makes a brief appearance as well. Yeah. So, Literally as Man Who Hires Wells. That's his <laughs> name. He doesn't have so a So he doesn't even have a full title. Um, first reactions off of this film. How did you feel about it? I liked it a lot. Um, I, I did say to you when we finished that I feel like I hyped it up too much because it came out like 12 years ago mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen it. And I like the Coen brothers a lot. Yeah. I, there are many, many of their movies I, I enjoy yeah. quite a bit. So I liked it. That's good. Um, I was intrigued the whole time. I did nad around a lot during parts of it. That's, I was, that's, tr- I was, that's true. I was doing things. But. There was an intense scene in the film and Lindsay's in the kitchen banging around. <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I was, trying to get kinda, my, I was trying to get my blocking bowl out of the baking cabinet. You're, you're kind of missing some important I stuff. I know. But, um, but I would pause in between eating chips during dialogue so I could hear what was happening. <laughs> It That's, snowed a bunch here yesterday, yeah, and I got sent snow. home early from my part-time weekend job, and so we ended up being able to watch this movie a lot earlier in the day than we had planned, so there was a lot of snacking happening. Yeah, and We I bought just got, Snowmageddon snacks, or yeah, I bought Snowmageddon snacks on yeah. Thursday, because this storm was coming. So, yeah, I uh, this movie has been st- stuck with me for years since I actually watched it. Um, How old were you when you saw this? Uh, so this came out in... 2007? Yeah, 2007, so I was my senior year of high school. Oh my god, that was your senior year of high school. Yeah, to put a timestamp on that. Yeah, um... So you were like 18. So I was like 18 when this movie came out. I really enjoyed it and I and from I think it's from this movie on I've tried to see every Oscar winning best picture oh, winning okay. film oh okay that makes sense so again this so this this movie already carries a special place in my heart um from start to finish it is hilarious and intense at the same time it is because that's the that's how the Coen Brothers very much are. A Coen Fargo Brothers. is very similar to that. It's very much a color. It's not so much you know. It's not as comedy heavy. Yeah, it's not as comedy heavy. As, it's not very dialogue heavy for a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, um, Coen Brothers usually talk a lot. Which especially like, with, not the Coen Brothers, but their which, characters. Especially with Josh Brolin, who's who's kind of the main character in most of the film. He. Lewin Moss. He plays Lewin Moss. Llewellyn. Llewellyn Moss. Um, He doesn't... Yeah, he does not speak much in the film. No, he doesn't. And it's... And most... At least the first half of the film is a silent film. Just... It's it's not a silent film, but it's... But what I'm saying is there's not much dialogue. In the, correct. At least in the first, and at least in the first half of the film, you, you, and with Josh Brolin, it will be 
every once in a while it would just be one or two lines. Just like, Inside Lewin Davis isn't very dialogue heavy. That's true. Either, kind of, sort of. Yeah. But it would be like, all right. Okay. But I mean, I think that's also speaks to the nature of the setting and the 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 dudes mm-hmm. in that movie. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones speaks quite a bit. That that is true. As is Woody Harrelson's character. That is true. But that's kind of it. It is. I mean, it is kind of like a three three part thing where you see um, kind of the story developed between three separate characters, um, going from. Josh Brolin's character to Javier Bardem, uh, who plays Anton Chigar. Chigar, thank yes. you. Chigar, 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 Chigar. By far the most terrifying villain in a film I have ever he seen. He is really scary. And yeah. I've seen Javier Bardem in two movies Skyfall and this. So yeah. I'm a little frightened of him. Um, that also Especially started. Skyfall, he takes his teeth out. Yeah, I also feel like this was. We watched the, that last night. We did watch we did. that last. I also feel like that this is the start of a trend of Javier Bardem doing really good acting and villain roles, but with ridiculous hair. That's very true. Because it was like you think about. He also about, has contacts and Skyfall, yeah, like blue ones. If you think about this movie, he's got like this weird page boy haircut. Yeah, I have a trivia fact about that. And, and especially later. like um, when he did his Oscar. When he did his Oscar acceptance speech, um, he was just like, this is the most ridiculous thing that anyone has ever made me do. Yeah. Um, and then you think of Skyfall. He's got blonde hair. Yep. Slicked black blonde hair. Yep. And then... And he's, his villain in that movie is ridiculous. Yeah. And then you think of The Counselor, which was a movie that came out a couple of years... I think a couple of years after okay. Skyfall. He's got, like... He looks like a pimp, essentially, but okay. he's got this like really spiked up hair, oh. and these huge ridiculous glasses on. Oh, okay. I haven't <laughs> seen that. I guess. And, yeah, he. Well, yeah, him and his wife are actually both oh, in okay. the film. He's um, married to Penelope Cruz, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just that just started this trend of just like how ridiculous are you gonna get with your look as you proceed yeah. throughout your career. This is true. I would also like to make a small corrections corner going back to the Moonlight episode, which is many, many months old now. Mahershala Ali. Yes. Mahershala We've Ali. been saying it wrong. We have. I tried. I just put things... I I, I, I put the wrong letters together yeah. in certain spots. Also, Chuatel Ajiafor. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, with kind of the no dialogue type of stuff that goes on, there's, it's, the breaks in silence kind of just add to the tension a little bit. Like, when we first meet Llewellyn, he's hunting out in the woods, and then he stumbles upon the drug deal. Yes. And there's no other context other than there's a bunch of cars, and there's just a bunch of bodies all over the place and then you just kind of have to figure it out from there what what's going on sorry i i we dead silence um dead silence um i'm kind of letting you take the lead on this yeah, one because this to, is like your movie i'm trying we, to think of how long ago did we buy this movie on voodoo a long like a time year ago. ago um we didn't have it physically. i didn't take as many notes because i actually just tried to enjoy this film again being as, uh, it being as, it's how many years since I've actually seen it, 
Um, if you haven't seen it since you first saw it, it's yeah. been like 12 years. It has been 12 years. Um, the big thing um, that I actually really appreciated and was some of the small stuff that I noticed is um, camera shots and how they do certain things. Their cinematography. Their there? cinematography is really interesting, especially um, like, for example, the... Um, Llewellyn is looking through binoculars at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the camera doesn't pan to that weird. That's always bothered me in films where they do the like the kind of the binocular cutout or thing like the scope thing, where it's the two circles. And, oh, 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 and it's yeah. clearly when you see it. In when you actual, yeah, I have a hard version, time looking through. It's just one circle. I have a hard time looking through binoculars. <sighs> Sorry, I'm watching. <laughs> We have, we have a live stream on in the background. <laughs> we have it muted. I'm just reading the chat as oh, it's going. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I multitask really well, yeah. obviously. But but one of the things that I noticed that they don't do that that binoculars thing in the film, and it's just um, it's just focused. They just use the camera as if you're actually seeing it from a first person point right. of view. Yeah. So when he puts down the binoculars, is the binoculars. Cam- binoculars, the camera actually pans down, like it actually moves as if it was gesturing, and then it cuts to an edit of him actually putting down the binoculars. Or actually, when he's looking through the scope, that the motion of the scope is actually him motioning as he's picking up his gun. Right. Um, let's see. Um, oh, yeah, it's this, this the Texan version of The Revenant. Oh, yeah, I did say that at one point because he, like, falls in a river and he has to pull stuff out of his skin, like shrapnel stuff out of his skin and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is this just going to be a buddy team up road movie towards yeah, the end? I did ask if if um, Llewellyn and Shigar were then like they had that kind of like mini shootout thing in yeah. the street after he. Yeah. I can't remember what happens exactly, but I did look over at Colin and go, "Are they now going to team up and it's going to be like a buddy road trip movie?" Yeah. And he's like, "Um, no." no. <laughs> but he kind of wish it was. Because that would be actually really funny to see, but um, let's let's actually talk about Anton Shigar again for a second. Um, I kind of almost interpreted him as kind of a figure of death. Oh, oh are we gonna zip right to our no, thoughts we're, on? No, we're let's just talk about Anton for right now. Okay. Um, just because. Um, talking about in context and storylines and stuff, um, there's a scene in the movie where he's at, where Josh Berlin is in the hotel. Yeah. He's in the second hotel. He bought a room. Is it the fancier one that had the cat? It's the fancier okay. one with it, where he had the cat. Um. Not Josh Berlin, but there's a cat in But the there's scene. a, but there's so much with the context of the scene <laughs> that makes it so interesting that he gets the feeling that he knows somebody there. He finds the tracker in the, the case of money that he has. And he puts the tracker on the table, and he immediately calls the reception desk. And mm-hmm. he hears the phone, but the phone doesn't pick up. Right. But he knows that the guy at the reception desk is there. And then later on in that scene, as Josh Brolin's trying to get out of the hotel, you see just disheveled, like the door is, like a back door is open, mm-hmm. and just the scene is disheveled. You know automatically what happens in that scene. Right. Like, what happened to the, the receptionist? Um, Colin's going to edit this while I'm at work, so I don't have... When we edit, I always feel abandoned, because yeah, he has to go sit edit. in the office for, like, 
three hours. Luckily, I'm not doing it in our cold office. No, our office is freezing. So with Anton, he is kind of like this idea of just this idea of death because when we first meet him, he doesn't really leave much of a trace. Um, as far as like you know the context of where he's been of or where it is. Yeah. But you don't ever see any evidence of like, oh yeah, that's that's a thumbprint. That's a right, footprint. Right, right, yeah. Um, just the air compressor. That well, he doesn't use. like to get... Bl- his character doesn't like to get dirty. He doesn't like to have blood on him. I was yeah. reading uh, online, you know, the scene where he shoots the... The guy in the shower, he pulls the curtain closed first so he doesn't get blood on himself. That's really After interesting. he kills the Mexicans, he takes his sock, you know, he takes his shoes and socks that got blood on them off. He lays the plastic down after his shootout with Josh Brolin and, you know, so the yeah. blood doesn't get anything. At the end, when he checks the soles of his shoes to make sure he didn't get blood on him, yeah. all that kind of yeah. lends itself to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a really interesting thing to pick up. But at the same time, I almost am concerned about him injuring himself. Because he's concerned about his own blood as well. Um, just talking about... Is that um, your sources? So we get shot. Josh Brolin shoots him later on in the film. Yeah. And then he gets really concerned about his own... Kind of a, like... Almost afraid of his own blood. I'm afraid of my own yeah. blood. Yeah. Which, Not everyone else's blood. My own blood. Which is really interesting. And then uh, towards the end of the film, when he gets into a car accident, you see the bones yeah. sticking out. He's also concerned about... Mr. your bones sticking out. <laughs> That's really gross. Um, yeah. It's just really intense. Um, it's good to see Woody Harrelson in this film. As well. We love Woody Harrelson a whole bunch, mostly because we love Cheers a whole bunch. <laughs> so we love Woody. <laughs> That's true. And just, he's kind of a delight to see in this film. Isn't there a trivia bit? Uh, yes, and I'm going to get to that. Sorry, uh, reading the chat again. I was like, my are, bad we, are we going to get to that trivia yeah. bit? No, I was, I was going to leave my trivia section for the trivia section. Okay. Um... And there's also a little bit of Inflation Nation I wanted to do. There is doing some Inflation thro- Nation. Doing some throwback for... So, if I can figure it out. Doing some throwback to... Um, hold No, I got it. I got it. I got you got it. it. Yeah. You got it. I got my phone. Oh, you got it. All right. Inflation Nation. Inflation throwback Nation. Throwing back to AFI. All right. So, tw- the a lot of the hotel rooms, motel rooms that he rents are $26. In 1980. Yeah. In 1980, a $26 hotel room in 2018 would cost you $79.23 due to the cumulative rate of inflation of 204%. Oh, man. But that's, you know, so a decent, I would say like a Motel 6 or something. Like that. Yes, because last time we so were, in, we were home in Janesville, I looked at the Motel 6 and we drove past it. And yeah, it was like... It's now like seventy six dollars a night yeah. or something like so that. So like a decent. So but a I decent remember when room. it was like you know thirty nine something a night. Yeah. Because uh, I it's the Motel Six has been in the same spot my whole in that town the whole yeah. time I've been there. So. Um, Sorry, movie is set in nineteen eighty. The movie is set in nineteen eighty. They Hence, don't explicitly say it, but if you look at the phone bill that Shigar yeah. looks at, it says such and such nineteen eighty. Hence the drug run. At the beginning of the film. 
Well, I mean, they do that now. Yeah, but... But, but you know, hence the... War on the, drugs the was... period. Yeah, was, no, war on drugs didn't start until, like, the 80s. I don't think. Well, it started in 1980. No, the, I, the movie took place in 1980. <laughs> oh, anyway. The war on drugs. Isn't anyway. that a band? It is a band. I'm just going to get banned I stuff. think it is. It is a band. I had a point to speak on. Now. Hold on. The War on Drugs campaign, led mm-hmm. by U.S. federal government of drug prohibition, military aid, military intervention, with the stated aim being to reduce the illegal drug trade in the United States. Oh, I'm sorry. The term was popularized in the media after a press conference given by Nixon in 1971. Yeah. That's basically... That's it. Yeah. History. Um... Doodly do 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 Sorry, in nineteen seventy they passed the Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act. Which gotcha. is kind of what started it. So okay, I was wrong. It was in the seventies. Alright, yeah. my bad. My yeah. bad. Um oh yeah, I was just I, I did kind of get a little bit of a chuckle because Luen goes he essentially goes across the border. Yeah, he does, yeah. A, a couple times. And um because he's like he needs to get rid of the money and he needs to dump the money, so he throws it over a, a fence. So then that and it's kind of like in that in between state where nobody can get it. I'm wondering if that's actually a reference to something that is almost an impasse. Like Shigar yeah. needs the money. Yeah. In order to you know, Apparently he just needs the to, money. He's supposed. To, there's a tri- again. I didn't put this in the trivia, but it's kind of like a spoiler thing. Apparently, it's because it, this is based on a book. The, this movie is based mm-hmm. on a book. And actually, a little bit of more trivia. We'll get back to the whole um, Shigar thing. Yeah. But um, the movie and the book are almost identical. I they s- backed off some of the dialogue, but a lot of the dialogue is verbatim. Like, the speech at the end is verbatim. A lot of stuff that the happens is legitimately... Like, it, it was adapted, but very closely adapted. I'm like, some movies that recently came out that are based on books don't get started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated Ready Player yeah, yeah, One. Yeah, uh. So, um, anyway. There's, uh... In the book, apparently, he's working with someone to get the money. So, Shigar is supposed to deliver the money to somebody. Okay. He's... I don't know if think the money is for him, necessarily. They don't... It's not necessarily implied in the film, like, who he's exactly right. working for. Yeah, because Woody Harrelson's character and the man who hires him know who he is. They know They don't who really he is. say why they Yeah, but he's like... He's like, oh, he's a psychopathic contract killer. Like... Yeah. And then nobody knows anything other than that. Um... But uh, um, as I was saying, like, just that Mexican border could be just something because um, Chicago needs to get the money. Llewellyn needs to, you know, make sure his family's in safe. Yeah. So, like, in order to get him the money, he needs to make sure they're safe. And also when he goes into, when Llewellyn goes into Mexico, it's almost like a safe space because, or, yeah, almost... A little bit of a safe space because yeah. he actually goes to the hospital and gets healed there. He meets Woody Harrelson that is like, I could end this for you right now. Right. Type of thing. Before he actually goes back. I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts. So, um, did we want to talk about the ending? 
Can we do my trivia first, let's, and then we'll let's talk do about the trivia. The ending? Let's okay. do trivia, and then we'll talk about the ending. So, um, in the film, um, Tommy Lee Jones kind of makes it a little bit of a speech. He talks about the dreams that he had last night because he uh, he just retired as one of the sheriffs right. in, in the town, right? And um, he he talks about the dream, and the dream has actually. Wait, I thought we weren't talking about the end of the, the movie. The dream actually has a significance throughout the whole film. Oh, okay. So, okay, we'll, we'll get back to that. Okay. What is your trivia? I as have many trivia. I actually, I don't have a ton of trivia. Okay. I don't have a ton. You had a cat hair stuck in your hair. I was getting okay. it out. Thank you. Because I couldn't tell if it was a gray hair or if it was cat hair. Ah, uh, yes. Thank okay. you. I have that same problem. All right. So in the novel, Sheriff Bell, who is Tommy Lee Jones' character, says mm. of the dope dealers, Here a while back in San Antonio, they shot and killed a federal judge. Cormac McCarthy set the story in 1980. He's the author of the book. In 1979, federal judge John Howland Wood was shot and killed in San Antonio, Texas by freelance contract killer Charles Harrelson, father of Woody Harrelson, who plays Carson Wells. It's a well-known fact that Woody Harrelson's father was was a contract killer. If you've ever seen, there's cracked articles about, you know, crazy stuff about celebrities you might not have known. I've known that for a while, but yeah. I'm just, I'm glad. I thought that was interesting. (laughs) I'm glad he turned out okay. Yeah, me too. Um, Well, as okay as, you know, an actor can be. Yeah, but like, when he's, but when he's doing like serious, tough guy actor roles, I get very scared. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right, so back to whole... Javier Bardem and the weird hair thing. Yeah. Directors Joel and Ethan Cohen used a photo of a brothel patron taken in 1979 as a model for Anton Chigurh's hairstyle. When he saw his new haircut, Javier Bardem said, oh no, now I won't get laid for the next two months. The Cohens responded by happily high-fiving each other. Bardem's response meant Chigurh would look as creepy as they had hoped. Composer Carter Burwell's score consists of only 16 minutes of music, and I actually have... Oh, I didn't copy it. They There's a later trivia fact that pinpoints where it all is. It is not diegetic It's not music. diegetic. Every single time we watch a movie that doesn't really have a score or a soundtrack, and it's more almost ambient music... Not ambient. I'm going to explain the definition of this. So, okay. diegetic music is music that the characters in the film also hear and react to, that the audience also hears. Simil- mm. So, it's stuff on radios, TVs, so concerts. So, it's an, envir- it's it's an, an environment. It's an environmental mm-hmm. music as opposed to scoring, which the characters don't hear and don't react to. Um, the Last Picture Show... I believe is one of the first movies that I ever saw where I was made aware of that's what it was. Correct. And I cannot remember the word ever, and it takes about 15 minutes of Google searching. Yeah, and I wrote it down. Diegetic. D-I-G-E-D-I-E-G-E-T-I-C. Diegetic music. Yes. 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 So, yeah, only 16 minutes, 16 minutes of scored music within the film. An unforeseen expense for the film was the makeup department buying expensive fake blood at $800 a gallon. So like a a milk jug gallon. Yeah. $800 per gallon. Joel Cullen realized why they were spending so much on it when it came time to film the scene where Llewellyn stumbles across the aftermath of the shootout with lots of extras lying around dead in the dust in the very beginning of the movie. 
Ordinary fake blood is made with sugar and would have meant the extras would have been crawling with bugs and ants while the insects had no interest in the expensive fake blood. Oh. Because fake blood is generally made with corn syrup and food coloring. Because I've made movie grade blood before for Halloween. Interesting. The suppressor on Anton Sugar's shotgun was specially made for the movie. Such a device did not exist, so the Coens invented it. Which is more terrifying. Which invented. is more terrifying, yes. I think. I think he had multiple guns though with suppressors because I thought I saw something in a later scene. No, no, we're not talking about the the the, the thing. That's the thing I'm getting to next. Oh okay. no, when he has the gun that he the, actually kills people. That's that's what yeah. I'm talking. Oh okay, about. I thought we were talking about the thing with the tank. No, I th- no, I think he has like a different. I think he actually had like two different types oh, okay. of guns. There it, was a lot about the weapons in the trivia, but nothing was like I. I don't want to get bogged down. Because I think it was like it was like a shotgun rifle, but then it also looked like a semi-automatic type of thing oh, that he okay. had too. Yeah. It was a shorter, it was a shorter gun, gotcha. but it had a suppressor on it. Gotcha. So. Okay, Javier. Uh, no, no, no. Anton Chigurh's weapon that he uses in the very beginning is a captive bolt pistol. It is commonly used to stun cows before slaughter without risk of flying bullets. The case that held the money in this film was the same case that was also used for the same purpose in Fargo. There you go. Um, um, sorry? Well, I was just going to say, like, let's talk about the concept of money for a second. Okay. I feel like this has been right. kind of like a trope a little bit for the Coen brothers. The, the, the idea of money and just trying to get money. Or to have money or get money. Um, Lebowski. Lebowski. Oh, brother, we're out, though. There's a treasure. True. Uh, it was the search Fargo. Fargo. It was about money. And did you look to see, did Fargo win Best Picture or no? I did not. Dang it. I was I looking forward to watching it. Also, check out the FX series, the anthology series, if you've ever watched. It is very good. Watch the movie, then watch the first season one. Yeah. First season one is the movie, but with way more detail. Yeah, it's very good. It is. Very good. Um, just that plays a lot into it. And then Shigar with coins, I've also found yes, very interesting. Yes, talked about that. Everyone know, of, if, at least if you've seen this movie, you Which know. Which I hope you have if you're listening to if this. If you are the... Don't listen to our podcast kinda, looking for us to cover the movie. Yeah, we kind of... We jump a lot, yeah, rattle a lot. Yeah, we kind of spoiled Stream of stuff. consciousness, it's fine. Um, flipping the coin and leaving kind of like this... I would almost say this concept of death to chance type of thing. Uh-huh. That's a part of it and kind of some types of negotiation tactics. But then also he uses it just for everyday things. Like um, he knows that Llewellyn is in the hotel mm-hmm. and he knows that something's hidden in the grates. Mm-hmm. So he uses a coin to unlock the vent. And then later on in the... S- oh, yeah, he does. And then later on in the scene... Towards the end, where Tommy Lee Jones comes into the room because he knows that, like, something's not right after Lou Welling gets murdered in the right. hotel, um, Tommy Lee Jones goes back and Shigar is there. He just can't see him. Right. And then eventually there is a grate with a giant hole mm-hmm. in it, and that's how he got out. Yeah. And on the floor is a tiny dime. Oh, interesting. Next to, so it was like, so he uses the quarters, or he uses the coins to mm-hmm. get himself out of his own in, at situations, which I thought was a really interesting concept for a character. I have two more trivia facts. Okay. Okay. 
I realized I got a little far from the mic, so that might have been quiet just now. Javier Bardem's victory at the 80th Academy Awards made him the first Spanish actor to win an Oscar. Bardem was also the first Spanish actor to be nominated for an Oscar with Before Night Falls in the year 2000. And finally, to date, this is the Coen Brothers movie with the longest runtime of two hours and two minutes, as well as the only Coen Brothers movie to exceed two hours in length. Now, I don't know when that trivia fact was written, so I'm going to go and do some fact-checking really quickly. Yeah, um, especially. I haven't seen the new Netflix movie. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Yes. Yes. Which just came out. Two hours and 13 minutes! It's two hours and 13 minutes. Oh, there you go. Also, Hail Caesar was an hour and 46 minutes. Okay. Which also Inside Lewin Davis is an hour and 44. So now the Battle of Buster Scruggs looks like it's, it's the... It's the longest film. Yeah, True Grit was an hour 50. Burn After Reading is an hour 36. And then No Country for Old Men. Yeah. So I just wanted to, because I don't know when that trivia fact was written. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it also plays to the trope they also played in the trope too of characters not being really important but playing a part in the story um like um Llewellyn's wife's mother <laughs> I thought it was really interesting yeah, I got the cancer I got the cancer Colin a, says it all Colin line. says that line all the time where there's just like there was a scene where there's um his wife's taking um her mother and father away to I think to El Paso just to get away yes. just to keep them safe and her mom is just complaining in the back the entire time it's yeah like, and it's actually um Beth yeah. Beth Grant, yeah. who was on um, the Mindy Project. She's one of the nurses. She's also, if you've ever seen um, the Office episode, Dinner Party, where Dwight brings his babysitter from when he was a kid, yeah. that's her as well. Um, it's just really fun. I got the cancer. I got the cancer. And then eventually you find out that the cancer did take her at yes. one point. So it, yes. is like, so it is a little... Tongue in cheek, kind of funny, but um, or was she shot? Did she get shot? In that's the case? other thing too. I'm trying to figure it out because there was also um, there was there was a scene where they were being followed by a bunch of Mexicans. Yeah, at one point, and that's who kills. So Shigar does not kill Josh Brolin's character. Josh Brolin's character is killed by the Mexicans in the motel. Yeah, who I think were the ones that originally had the money yes. to begin with, which. Just adds to the whole complexity of how this whole thing works. And it, it, in true Coen Brother form, this movie just kind of ends. It does just kind of end. It doesn't really, like, there's no resolution to anything. Like, Shigar gets away. He does. Um, Tommy Lee Jones just retires. Yep. Um, the f- yeah, pretty much Llewellyn's family is dead at this point. Yeah, it's... Yeah, there's nothing else... Say yeah. about it. Um, okay, do we want to now that we've said all of that? Do we want to talk about the ending? Yeah, we can talk about the ending. So, because I agree with your take on the ending, as does everything I read on IMDb while doing my okay. research. So, well, oh, okay. So, do you want to give your interpretation? Yes. Ending? So, Colin and I talked about this because Colin asked what I thought the ending meant, and I didn't really know how to 
respond. So, Shigar is the representation of death. Yes. Meaning, because almost everyone he meets dies. Almost. There's a. Almost. He doesn't kill the kids on the bikes. He, does he doesn't kill the the lady at the trailer park who says that she doesn't know mm-hmm. or she can't tell him where. Llewellyn works. Yeah. He doesn't kill... There's a couple other people he doesn't... The gas station guy. The gas station guy. And it, it's basically the... You know, death is not symmetrical. It's not always going to... Yeah. It's not always what goes around comes around. Yeah. Like, yes, Shigar should have, you know, died. He, he, he never dies. No. He never dies. No, he gets a busted arm and walks away. He gets... T-bone pretty hard in an intersection. Yeah. And yeah, walks all the way with a broken arm with some smashing teeth. Because yeah. I made the comment that he had silver teeth towards the <laughs> yes. end because that whole like, side right. of his face. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with the thought that he is kind of like the angel of death. and Yeah. And the speech at the end is essentially... You talk about Tommy Lee Jones' speech at the end in okay. your interpretation So there's... Um, so towards the end of the scene, he's talking about his dreams that he had. The first dream... I think it's just kind of a throwaway, throwaway thing. He's talking about like the two dreams he had. The first dream was like he was talking to his dad, and I think he lost some money or something, and he was getting it back. And his dad was on a horse with a blanket, and I'm getting to this. Okay, I'm sorry. So that was the first dream. It seems just I don't know if that was just a Cohen Brothers thing or whatever. It's just kind of a throwaway. Just kind of a throwaway thing. The second dream gets really interesting because he's talking about when he was a younger man and his father, he was actually going, riding with his father. And he was kind of cold and he had a blanket, but he also had like a, a horn, like a fire horn that they used to have in the old days where it was like a f- flame to keep everything warm so that you could transport it to the next campsite or okay. whatever you were going to take your next rest. And... Uh, his dad rode on before him, and then he eventually meets and catches up with him and meets him at the, the campsite. Um, my interpretation of it was that um, there's this overarching um, message of death throughout the whole film, mm-hmm. and um, the concept is um, no matter what happens, uh, death will always come for you yes. in some way. Yes. Um, whether it's uh, death by chance, just a simple coin flip, mm-hmm. or um, health issues like cancer. Yep. Um, or you know, eventually, it'll, or eventually, just old age. It'll eventually, it will all come for you eventually. And the idea of his uh, Tommy Lee Jones' dad. Just being at that campsite, like, eventually he will get there at that point and see him again. Apparently that's not the interpretation. (laughs) Apparently that's not the true meaning of what that that scene is. Really? Yes. What's the true meaning of that scene? What do you think it is? I liked your version of it! Okay. Um... It actually plays on, doesn't play Did you not tell me this last night on purpose? I did not tell you this on last night, because I wanted to get your thoughts on it first. Oh, I hate you a little, <laughs> tiny bit right now. So, apparently, um, there's this also this overarching concept of... Is this Space Baby is a planet all no, over again? No, 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 okay. no, not at all. If you want to know what I'm talking about, reference our 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> on episode. The air, on the AFI podcast. On the AFI episode. Go ahead and yeah. listen to that one. 
was I'm a guest star on Advil. Yes, you are. You are. We went to a party that night after too. Um, we went to the Grays. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So there's this over. There's another overarching concept of. Uh, lost my train of thought. Um. Just how the world is changing. Things are adapting. Mm-hmm. Um. It's 1980, so. I mean, the title of the movie is No Country, Country for, for Old Men. Men. We're getting to that. Okay. <laughs> um, so, the, um, just the the lack of respect has has fallen apart. They do talk about the whole. He talks to that sheriff towards the end of the movie. About there's no more yes, ma'am. No, sir. sir. Yeah. When... And now there's just kids got bones in their faces and green hair. hair. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just this idea that like respect is starting to leave and there is no and there's also something with the speech at the beginning mm-hmm. that Tommy Lee Joe says he's talking about like you know oh I've been a sheriff for how long you know this sheriff has been here for this long and this and that they've kept the peace on on everything and it kind of goes into this whole idea that um, the old guard no longer belongs in this world anymore right and with everything that Tommy Lee Jones has kind of seen and just the violence that happened with Llewellyn, mm-hmm. like trying to protect him from Shigar, but he wasn't protecting him from the... The, the cartel. The cartel, essentially. Yeah. And didn't put that together. Right. And he's just like, he's... And when he decides to retire, it's like, I'm not... This isn't for me anymore. I've... Right. I've I can't protect everybody. And... The, I, I like both the interpretations. And with that, the dream is his father has the torch. Literally a oh, representation okay. representation of the torch. Okay. And he is passing it on. And eventually, Tommy Lee Jones has to take up that mantle. But. Gotcha. But because the world is changing, he can't take up that that torch anymore. Okay. Hence the I title, like No, no Country, Country for, for Old Men. men. Because, yeah, there's a poem, and it's, this is no country for old men. Yeah. That's in the trivia thing. I like both interpretations, personally. Yeah. I like it. Like Coen Brothers movies, because they make you think, or they're, like, they reference a whole bunch of other stuff, yeah. like, at the same time. Like, they don't, they don't force-feed you information. So right. Figure it out. Yeah. Take what Which you is why I think anymore. I didn't like The Big Lebowski the first time I saw it, but I also saw The Big Lebowski for the first time when I was 21, and I think I had been drinking, like, all day. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just, no. Yeah. I love that movie now, because I'm 32 and not an idiot anymore. Yeah. Should we talk about what else was nominated for Best Picture so let's, that year? Yeah, so let's talk about the, yeah, the overall. Okay, so this was a year when they were down to just five, where yes. they were down to yeah, a so single went, digit number. They went to five, yep. yep. So, Michael Clayton... <laughs> Atonement, No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. Juno, and There Will Be Blood. I've seen. I've seen three of those movies. Two of those movies. Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton is actually a good film. But I was gonna say if we're gonna talk about like movies that, because part of what we talk about is, did this deserve the win? Does it stand up the, to the test of time? And this movie, this was twelve years ago now. Mm-hmm. 12 years later, I only remember, like, the only movies that, I, if you said this to me, oh, yeah, I remember that movie would be Atonement, which I've never seen. I've always wanted mm-hmm. to because I like James McAvoy because yeah. he's in that, right? Yeah. James McAvoy yeah. and Kira Knightley. Yes. Who I don't really care for. But yeah. Anyway. She's got a weird face. Um, um, no Country for Old Men. You know, 
is seen and still talked about and all that stuff. Juno, we literally watched right around Thanksgiving, yeah. right after Thanksgiving. Right we, after. we had a home at at home sick day. We watched it on yeah. right um, around we Thanksgiving. We were not. We were feeling ill. You were feeling ill. I was feeling like not going. No, I stayed home with you because you yeah. were yeah. sick. Cause, yeah, you had a really bad cold or something. I can't remember what it was. Bad. Um, and then there will be blood, which is still referenced and talked about. Should we talk about the fact that I get those two, I get um, No Country for Old Men and there will be blood confused I because think... I asked Colin, when does the line about drinking his milkshake come in? And he goes, Lindsay, that's not in this movie. It's not in this yes, movie Yes, it at is. All. No, it's not. It's in, no, it's in There Will Be, will be blood. blood. They went, they came out the same time. They're both shot very similar. One's Paul Thomas Anderson, one's Coen Brothers. Yeah, so it's like those movies, yeah, they're both shot very similarly. The, I guess you could say some of the material, like the themes are very similar as well. So it's the concept of money and who's in charge of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking through, so if you click on these, it'll tell you what the IMDb ratings are. Yeah. And actually... There will be blood beats it by point one. Okay. So looking at that, and I mean, with the test of time and reviewing and what, because similarly, like talking about just bringing something from the zeitgeist into perspective, you know, with the new Star Wars trilogy being a thing and everyone hating on the Last Jedi, and my whole thought process is because sometimes I don't know how I feel about that movie. Is it hasn't had time to marinate within culture. We don't have a complete we- trilogy, so. <laughs> Going into the hi, Cheech. Hello. Hello. Gigi's Hello. awake now. Yes. Um, so, just talking about has it marinated well within time? And I think it has. There's nothing yeah. about this movie that's like, oh god, this is dated or stuff like that. So the fact that I but it's also a period piece, technically. Yeah. So speaking. the fact that I have still yet to find another movie villain that is as mm-hmm. terrifying as Anton Chigar yeah. just shows how Michael good Clayton that character. seems like an odd choice as a nominee because it strikes it's, me as kind of like a Jack Ryan, Jason Bourne kind of. I've never seen it to be completely <laughs> honest, and I could be completely wrong. That's on a this. good guess. You're completely wrong. Okay. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. Like it, I said, it seemed. It's, um, that movie actually deals a lot I was with really self-centered in 2008. I also didn't go to the movies and didn't have a lot of money. Um, that that movie that movie actually does, deals a lot with a uh, corporate I, I, corporate espionage kind of corporate yes. espionage type of stuff. Yeah, because uh. one of their workers, it's something to do about like one of the workers ends up in this scandal, but he has like blackmail on the company that he's a oh, part okay. of. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair so, enough. My bad. Um, George Clooney. You are completely wrong. Okay. Um, at least I think. I'm just going off the cuff. I could be completely wrong, but um, George Clooney plays a lawyer, and he's trying oh, to figure okay. the whole thing out, which is really cool, and the ending is just probably kind of the coolest thing that just drops it and, okay. like, lets you be. I found a weird bump on my leg. It's probably nothing. Okay. Might be where I stab myself with my Oh, that, that could be true. Um, I stabbed my really yeah, pointy knitting in my leg. I feel like this movie deserves Best Picture. It's, it's. I think it would have come down to there will be blood in this. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, it just eked it out. I think, like, Juno, we quote all the time. You tell me all the time that I sound like Ellen Page in Juno. Yeah, Because I sometimes. have very similar speaking mannerisms, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wall Street big. Yeah. Yeah, this movie. <laughs> Thanks a heap coyote ugly. This cactus thing worse than your abandonment. abandonment. Uh, I say I say thanks a heap coyote ugly all the time. Uh, yeah, I th- 
I think this movie still holds up. I do too. Um, I still think about this movie every I once think a lot of the Coen Brothers movies are actually pretty. Hail Caesar apparently wasn't very good. But yeah, I but we also that. we also haven't seen Hail no. Caesar no. with with new Han Solo. New Han Solo. Don't get us started on that either. Channing Tatum dancing. Yes. Um. Yeah, I think. I think this is our like longest episode we've ever done. Oh, I thought it was. Did some longer episodes. Oh, okay. I'm proud of this episode. We did a good yeah, job. Yeah, it was good. We had some stumbles. Yeah, and we're we not going to get into a fight after this because I didn't, like, uh, constantly interrupt yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hi, kitty. I think the cat wants this to be done. You can come down here. You can come down. Yeah. She's up in the loft crying because yeah. she wants attention. Yeah. No, it was, no, that was also, like, a good year of movies because it's like I've heard and at least know all of those movies. Yes. John John Stewart hosted, I believe. That yes, year I believe well. that is what you said. Um Yeah. I didn't watch that year. I'm I sure. I did watch that year. I just I was very happy. Uh the Cohen Brothers speech at the end. It was very short and it was just like I'd like to thank everyone who worked on this production. I'd like to thank my the Academy Thank you. And then they walked off. Nice. And, and I think that was that's when they got best directing or best screenplay. What? I can't remember what, what this actually won for. But then when they got best picture, they kind Well, of, I can tell you. I can look up the... It um, says it was nominated and won four Oscars. Hold on. Yeah. It was like... But then for the longer speech, they said it was just like, you know, we were just it a bunch... It won best picture. Javier Bardem won best supporting actor. They won Best Director, and they brought in Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay, so I was oh, right. Also, fun fact, Roger Deakins did the cinematography. Yes. What else did Roger Deakins do the cinematography for? Blade Runner. Both the Blade Runner movies. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Um, which is... Don't listen to the Blade Runner episode of the AFI, because I think I hated it. I can't yeah. remember. Um, I feel like Jeff and I should go back and do, like, I retrospective think, on I all of... I think that would be kind of fun to do. Hey, hey Jeff, you want to redo every 100 movies we watch? You don't have to do every <laughs> Yes, we have to do all of every them. Every movie. Um, Especially Sophie's Choice. Let's watch Sophie's Choice again. Oh, no. Oh, that's a False. downer. Um, so, yeah, I think we are good to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, just a couple... Of, I just wanted to say a couple okay. things about the Coen brothers. Yeah, they have a really interesting style of filmmaking like they don't like I know Josh Brolin talked about the film like um acting wise like he didn't get very many notes mm. or anything but like when they were in the theaters you could just hear this like <laughs> from like one of the directors in the back because like he was laughing so hard because they knew that like they did a, such a good job yeah. of the film um which which kind of shows like if you know, they're the type of the directors know exactly what they want, but if they don't get they what they want, they won't tell you either. But yeah, they they just they're very precise and they just they know what they want and they know what they need to say. Hence, with their Oscar speech, they yeah. didn't you know go. It was the I think it's the shortest Oscar speech in history. I nice. feel like, but yeah, that's. No Country for Old Men. So we have decided that we are going to keep going sequentially backwards. Yeah. We are going to address The Shape of Water and whatever wins the Oscars for this coming 2019 ceremony. Mm-hmm. But I can't guarantee when we will do those. We will give you a heads up before mm-hmm. we do that. Uh, our next movie, though, is The Departed, which I'm super excited oh. about because I love Scorsese, yes. you know, crime-related movies. 
Also, The Departed's just a really fun It's a great movie. movie. Yeah. A great movie. I'll have to have the whole, did Little Miss Sunshine deserve to win, or should have The Departed won? Should have The Departed won? Or should have... The, I can't talk. Should have the departed one? Should the should the departed have should won? Should they won best? We'll picture. talk about that as we always do. We welcome your thoughts on our Facebook page, which is at Top Shelf. Top Shelf Podcast. It's the good news is I just got notifications from it, so I can look it up really quick. Yeah, we're Top Shelf Podcast Central is our Facebook page. Yes. So check us out there. Um also, check out all the other podcasts that we have on our network, including the Tom Hanks filmography. Which is on a brief hiatus, they but they do a have a couple hiatus, episodes for you to listen to. But um, especially, they just finished Bachelor Party, so uh, go ahead and give that a listen. Uh, I don't know why they decided to do this, but I think it's a fun idea. Um, there's also, um, not going to... Not gonna say too much, but there might be a crossover episode in the future with um, possible movies like, I don't know, Forrest Gump. Anyway, fun stuff. Yeah. And for that. Stuff and things. Good times. Keep it real with Oscar. We're keeping it real with Oscar. Apparently, that's what our sign off is. Oh, yeah. Did you forget our sign off? I didn't know we had a sign off. Yeah, that's our sign off. Keeping it real with Oscar. Awesome. All right. So we will see you in the future. Can't promise when. The good news is we own The Departed already. So as long as we have time to watch and record, we will hopefully try and get one up in the next couple weeks or so after this one comes out. That would be great. Yep. So thank you for listening. And thanks thank for you. being here. Sorry for our sporadicness. We will do our best to be better, but you got to be patient with us. Yeah. As it's, well. It's we, a slow, we are humans with lives. It's a so slow burn. It's a slow yeah. burn. Slow burn. All right. But we are back. <laughs> it's it's Brittany, Brittany, and I am back. back. All right. So Shoot. goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 Yeah, goodbye, Jeez. Bye, Jeez. Jeez. Back to sleep. Oh. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.